0: To the Uproom Frisco podcast. To learn more about your Frisco, please visit uproomfrisco.com. Good morning, friends. It's wonderful to be together. Uh, I, I'm chuckling to myself. I have an inside joke with the Lord. Um, anytime I like come with a teaching about manifesting the kingdom of heaven, we always manifest the kingdom of heaven so long I barely get to my teaching about manifesting the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> But uh, I'm excited to share with you this morning, um, and I wanted to just uh, reiterate um, real quickly why we prophesy, and this plays into what I wanna talk about this morning, which is obviously the kingdom of heaven, as I mentioned, but we prophesy for a bunch of reasons. We know from 1 Corinthians 14.3 that it's to strengthen, encourage, and comfort, but we also know that the spiritual gifts like prophecy strengthen the church, They build faith, it's an expression of empowered love. We prophesy to save the lost. One of my favorite scriptures regarding prophecy is that when an unbeliever comes into your gathering and you're all prophesying, the secrets of his heart are revealed. He's convicted and falling on his face, he declares God is truly among you. And uh, I don't know, have you guys ever seen a face plant salvation? It's pretty amazing. I, I saw one, he didn't, he didn't physically fall to his face, but he was completely undone because he came to church uh, as an unbeliever. Uh, accurate words of knowledge were re- released over him. He gave his life to Jesus and it was just this powerful moment. So I love that we're prophesying. We prophesy uh, to release the testimony of Jesus, to equip the saints and to protect the church from falling prey to false doctrines. And also we prophesy to prepare the church for a coming events. So we just got through um, Lent and Easter, which is the death, resurrection, and ascension of the Lord. Now what do we have to look forward to on the calendar? Pentecost, right? Woo! woo The outpouring of the Holy Spirit for the indwelling of the promise of the Father. And so I, I love that we we're looking forward to that. And uh, in line with that kind of trajectory of our calendar, I wanted to talk about what the kingdom of heaven is. There's a lot of things out there about the, about the kingdom. And in scripture, uh, there are tons of verses referencing the kingdom, but I wanted to talk about a few. Um, Jesus says things like this, the kingdom of heaven is at hand The kingdom of heaven has come upon you. The kingdom of heaven is within you. The kingdom of heaven forcefully advances, which goes right with Jimmy's word this morning, doesn't it? The kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing us, from us, through us, in us. And um, there's a a guy that deeply impacted me many years ago uh, through his his preaching and teaching, a guy named Dan Moeller. Y'all familiar with Dan Moeller? Oh, so good. Everything he says is like a T-shirt, quotable, like golden. Uh, (laughs) But he said that uh, Jesus didn't come to get me into heaven. He came to get heaven into me. Let me say that again. Jesus (laughs) didn't just come to get us into heaven. It's not like our train ticket is just punched or something, and we're looking forward to someday. No, he put heaven inside of us. So how do we know that the kingdom is forcefully advancing? What does it look like when the kingdom advances? Romans fourteen seventeen says that uh, the kingdom of heaven is not a matter of tradition or rituals. It literally says it's not a matter of eating and drinking because Paul in this moment is referencing all the people, all the believers even that are quibbling over rituals and what they should and shouldn't eat. And, and, and it goes back to just departing from tradition. It's not about that. The kingdom of heaven is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So when things like righteousness, peace, and joy are increasing, what is happening? The kingdom of heaven is advancing. Whenever love is casting out fear, whenever hope is carrying us through, whenever the earth begins to look more like heaven, isn't this the The very prayer of Jesus, the Lord's prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom, kingdom, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in where? In heaven. And so as ambassadors of heaven, as as representatives or representers of Jesus, what happens is that We begin to become conduits where heaven comes to earth through us, through our hands, through our words, through even our smile, through our small gestures that we think are insignificant. We had no idea changed someone's life forever, right? I have a good, uh, I have a pastor friend who said, don't miss the supernatural by looking for the spectacular, Now, we love the spectacular. I want the spectacular too. Lord, we've heard of your deeds. We've heard of your fame. We stand in awe of your deeds. Renew them in our day and in our time. Make them known. We believe for the big stuff, for the pow, pow, power moments, right? But there are things you don't even realize how many lives you guys have changed. It's gonna be so fun when we get to heaven and there's just people that are gonna come up to us and say, you probably don't remember me. And you're like, you're correct, I don't but you, you, you smiled and said something kind to me that one day and it just totally changed my world. I thought there was something different about that person. And that was the seed that the Lord planted that got me here today. You have no idea how the kingdom is advancing through, through you. So Jesus taught us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. In our case, it's on earth as it is in heaven. Upper Room Frisco, U-R-F, on earth. I went for it. You guys just didn't go there with me. <clears throat> uh, so when, when God created it, Adam and Eve, he commissioned Adam and Eve, right? He get, there were these four purposes of man. And really the four purposes of man were to perpetuate the paradise of Eden to cover all of creation. When he breathed into Adam's nostrils, he put the essence of the divine in him. And he commissioned us to cultivate, dominate, commune, and multiply. Uh, It's the four purposes of man, to cultivate, dominate, commune, and multiply. But what happened is that we voted in a different ruler, right? Through our obedience of the serpent, we became slaves to sin. And the prince of the power of the air took dominion, didn't he? This is participatory, you can say yes. It's a sad moment, but when I say a happy true moment, you can say amen, okay? Okay, so the prince of the power of the air took dominion, and with his rule came things like death, violence, decay, lack or poverty, sickness, natural disasters. Creation was subjected to futility. Like the earth literally, instead of producing good fruit, started producing thorns, didn't it? The oppression, of the mind, we couldn't even see the Father rightly anymore. The futility of our own thinking—it's all because we came under the jurisdiction of a new ruler. These were not things that God intended for us to deal with. That's why, when uh, when we hear about death, or what Ashley mentioned this morning about human trafficking, when we hear th- things that are just awful—you know, pure darkness being manifested. Our emotions don't know how to handle it because we weren't technically designed to deal with death. Does that make sense? But God promised that a seed of Eve would end the rule of the serpent which is why Jesus came proclaiming all of this stuff about this new kingdom, this kingdom that is not of this world, this kingdom that is more powerful. And he has angels at his dispense. He has the ability to do miracles that no one has ever thought of or heard of before. And what he did is he systematically showed us how to undo the domain of darkness, how to unravel the rulership of the usurper or the serpent. And so what did he do? He just walked around healing sickness. He walked around opening blind eyes so that people were coming out of the darkness. He walked around even raising the dead, which was the devil's greatest tool. How dare he come and take away my greatest weapon, right? There's this ancient poem by an early church father where he's writing about Jesus's death. And he, in this poem, this church father personifies Satan and death as two different people. And Satan begins talking to death and says, hey, death, I want you to ready yourself. I'm going to send Jesus to you. And death says, is this the same Jesus who with one word snatched Lazarus from my hands and I watched him fly away from my realm like a dove. And Satan was like, yeah, that Jesus. And death pleads with Satan and says, don't send him down here. Do battle with him up there, but you don't know what might happen if you send him down here. And Satan's like, it's too late, it's already done. It's in motion. Ha, <laughs> ha, So Jesus came around demonstrating what the real rule, the real king looks like through deliverance, healings, miraculous provision, calming storms, raising the dead. The poor, he went to the poor. The poor had the good news preached to them. He didn't hang out with the religious or political elite very much unless he was invited to a party and got and dad told him to go. You know what I mean? He advanced the kingdom through powerful, Internal breakthrough. You know, one of, the, one of the signs of the kingdom of God in someone's life is power, love, and sound mind. sound mind. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. And so when you see, when you feel your mind becoming more healthy, your soul, your internal landscape becoming more healthy, that is the kingdom of God advancing in you. See, it's not always about what you see on the outside, but what's happening on the inside. Even Jesus said things like the kingdom of God, it's not always like visible, like these signs. It doesn't come with just visible signs or people will tell you, look over here, I found it. Or look over there, I found it. I tell you the truth, the kingdom is within you. (laughs) So how do we get it out of us? (laughs) John Wimber is this uh, famous guy. He was... Part of the hippie movement right and um he gets saved out of the hippie movement straight into the jesus people movement and he started reading the bible and he's going to a church and uh week after week he's waiting to see the things that he's read about in the bible and one day this is true story one day he goes up to the pastor of this church where he's he's attending and he says he asked the pastor uh when do we get to do the the fun stuff when do we when do we get to do the cool the good stuff and the pastor's like well, what do you mean and john's like well you you know like I, I, you can read about it here like the, the healings and the and the pastor you know basically placates and, and calms him down and 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 gives him a theology that says that stuff isn't for today john didn't fully buy into it though years would go by and he would have a, a huge church multiple thousands of people and he just decided, you know what? I'm going to believe that the miracles of the book are for today. And so he gathered his team together before a Sunday and said, we're gonna pray for the sick today. And there is this bad like flu outbreak. And so a lot of people were sick. People who were sick even came to church. And John, John said, Anyone who is sick right now, come forward. And the elders and the ministry team, we're gonna pray for you. Did you know ministry team didn't exist before John Wimber? John Wimber, was the, he was the first guy that assigned people to be up front, to lay hands on the sick, to prophesy, to cast out devils. And so the ministry team received all the sick. And you know what happened? The next day, his entire ministry team was sick. What a, what a trial and tribulation, right? John didn't give up. Week after week, he started praying for the sick. This might sound like second nature or like, duh, we should do that to you guys, but he was the first and it was so bizarre and uncomfortable that he lost more than half of his church. He wouldn't give up praying for the sick. In one of his books, he talks about how he prayed for about a thousand people before and he was just about to give up. He was invited over to his friend's house. His friend's wife was, was like horribly sick with a fever, couldn't get out of bed. John showed up. She looks very sickly. Her color's gone. She's laying there, just no strength. John begins to pray for her. Her fever breaks. Her color returns. She stands up and starts making them dinner. And she said, no, I'm all better. And John couldn't believe it. She, he's like, no, you don't have to make me feel better. Like, just tell me the truth. She's like, no, you healed me. I'm all better. And John left that, that meeting, walked out, and he has this moment with God. In, and I think it's as he's walking to his car from the house, and he goes, I got one. And from that moment, started a movement where millions of people around the world have been touched by the kingdom of heaven. Isn't this exciting? And this is, my family was touched by it. I grew up, so John, he started the Vineyard Movement, and my family, we grew up in the Vineyard Movement. Vincent Corcoran and I went to the same church, and so week after week, we got to see our, our, our parents and, and Pastor and and people on the minister team laying hands on the sick. There are several times we saw people manifesting a demon that gets kicked out. We we were speaking in tongues before we even knew like how to give our lives to Jesus. It was amazing. Like that's just like how we how we grew up, and um, it deeply impacted my family, my theology, and my expectation for God to do it here and now. Even my sister, my sister went to. Uh, A conference uh, on the West Coast with uh, the youth group, they drove in like a van or two all the way from Michigan to Anaheim, California, where John Wimber was holding a meeting. And this crazy thing happened. The, The teens were all sitting along a curb. Someone was driving the van. My sister wasn't looking, and the van rolled over her ankle and broke it. The teenagers gathered around her, prayed her, and the bones set in place. She was healed. She ran into the meeting. She saw with her own eyes a homeless man come in, and her leg, this homeless man's legs were covered in warts, and they began to pray for him. And with their open eyes, they watched all the warts fall off his legs onto the carpet. Which is, I mean, get a vacuum cleaner quick, right? Like, that's... that's gnarly but so very awesome right (laughs) I want to talk about entry level kingdom coming this is entry level kingdom coming this is Jesus at the very onset of when he's talking giving the great commission in Mark 16 17 he says those who believe in my name they will drive out demons Cast out unclean spirits. It's easy, guys. It's like what we're made to do. We are exuding light. Darkness can't stand it. Yeah. Darkness can't stand in the presence of the light exuding from us. You know, scripture says arise and shine, right? It doesn't say arise and reflect. He is shining from within you. You're not just a mirror reflecting God's glory, God's glory is in you shining out. Okay? So I want to talk real quickly just about deliverance. Jesus, in uh, Luke 11:14 14, meets up with a, a dude who's demonized. He, and it says this, he, Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. Isn't that an interesting phrase? The demon was mute. And when the demon left the man, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. Interesting. Then some said, by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he's driving out demons. Others tested him, asking for a sign. Jesus knew their thoughts, said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. A house divided cannot stand. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say to you, I say this because you say I drive out demons by Beelzebub. If I drive out demons by Beelzebub, then whom do your followers drive them out? So then they will be your judges. And this is the... Key verse, verse 20. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, it just takes one of God's pinky fingers to drive out one of these demons, right? Then the kingdom of God has come upon you. I've seen this uh, many, many times. I don't know what it is about me that demonized people like. Uh, They find me. I don't go looking for them, I promise. They just find me, or the, they, they'll come up to me looking normal, but then as they get closer, something bizarre Like in this very room, a man came forward to be freed from, from fear and anxiety, and when he came up to me, he started twitching. This happened right here, right here, and, um, and I just, I don't know what came over me, but with a smile, I just said, come up and come out, and the dude hit the floor and began writhing, and it looked like his, like his knees were buckling in the opposite direction, like, a, like a, a grasshopper. And he was contorting on the floor and I kneeled down next to him and with a smile, I said, I think it's best if you say the name of Jesus right now. And he goes, He's trying to, Jesus. And as soon as he did, his body relaxed, his countenance changed. And I said, you're free, brother. <laughs> <clears throat> Deliverance doesn't have to be some showboating thing Where we like get loud Authority doesn't come from volume There's this It's already, it's already noon You guys hungry? Can we go for like another 5-10 minutes? I never get to talk about the kingdom of heaven So <laughs> <laughs> oh it's it's unfair to ask that question in a group like this because half you people are like no I'm really hungry but <laughs> anyway um there was this season where I I ended up like healing feet like three or four different foot healings happened in this one January and one time uh, uh we were at church I was supposed to give words of knowledge for healing and I just said hey I feel like someone in here uh, has problems with lower back, hip, and it's because one of your legs is, your legs are different length. And this uh, young woman, she couldn't have been you know, 19, 20 years old. She comes forward and, um, and I do something different. You know, the Lord never heals the same way twice because he doesn't want us to have a manual. He wants us to follow Emmanuel. So I have her, I, I gotta sneak in as many, as many one-liners as I can in this short amount of time. So I have her sit in the front row and I said, hey, I'm, I want you to look at your legs and command them to grow. It, guys, side note, it's really important when someone has different size legs to ask them, do you want that one to be shorter or that one to be longer? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I said, I want you to keep your eyes open and I want you to command your leg to grow in the name of Jesus and I will join with you and we'll both keep our eyes open. And so... It's awkward, she's never commanded a leg to grow before, but we're doing it, right? And she's sitting on the front row and people are watching and she goes, grow, leg. <laughs> and I said, in Jesus' in Jesus' name, <laughs> grow leg. And I'm like, yeah, leg, you start growing right now in Jesus' name, <laughs> like listen to the words and grow in Jesus' name. And we're just kind of like tinkering around as we're praying and about 20 seconds in, we see this leg, it's not, It's not an inch shorter. It's three to four inches shorter. We see this leg go and her eyes get wide. I'm like, you saw that, right? And she's like, I saw that. And she stands up, the pain in her hips and back are gone. She's dancing around. The next week she brings her whole family, her whole family. And I'm giving words of knowledge from stage again. And this time I hear the phrase C-3PO. And I like Star Wars, so I'm like, maybe that's just me. But I was, you know, set in a place to prophesy. So I just like, I was like, Lord, I believe that's you. What do you mean? And he said, C3 pain over, C3PO. And so I assumed that C3 was a disc in a back. And so I just gave the word. I feel like someone has a problem with their C3 disc. And the Lord wants to know that today your pain could be over. And this guy stands up, it's the girl's uncle that got healed from the week before. He comes forward and I get him on stage and I have him just start bending over in front of people. I don't recommend to do anything the way I do it. Do it the way the Lord shows you to do it. But he's bending over and the very first time he bends over, pops up joy on his face. He's like, I couldn't do that before. And then he starts doing it over and over and over and over. He's like, he's like the pain is gone. The pain is gone. And, and then I like, hand him the mic and he says, the only reason I came today, I haven't been in church in forever, but my niece you healed last week. And without a doubt, I know that whole, her whole life, she struggled with her legs being a different length. Her pain was gone. And so the whole family came today and my pain is gone. And this family has a revival breakout. They're meeting the Lord. <clears throat> The same season, uh, when I'm like, I, I, I'm just seeing he, feet being healed. This girl emails me, and she says, I, "I've for many years I've dealt with debilitating foot pain, and I heard that you heal feet. Can I? Would you heal mine?" And I said, "Sure." <clears throat> but I, I want you to come to church at this time you know tomorrow like, it was like a couple days at this time because I knew that at that time of the day my my little school would be gathered. I was doing a training and equipping school, and I wanted my students to participate in the uh, yeah e j s graduate <clears throat> um, I wanted my students to participate in the healing, and so she showed up and I sat her on a stool in the middle of the classroom and I said, "Is it okay?" You always wanna be really, really polite. Is it okay if we begin to pray for you? And she said, yeah, and uh, is it okay if some of my students lay hands on you also? And she's like, yeah, and so we pray for her and she starts growling. Growls and voices start coming out of her. I'm like, oh, wow, this is exciting. (laughs) And and I say, uh, I'll call her Sarah. Hey, Sarah, do you realize that growls and deep, strange voices are coming out of you? And she goes, what, oh oh no, what is that? I said, oh, don't worry, honey. It's just like some residual spiritual oppression. And then the word of the Lord came, and and I said, I feel like the Lord showed me that uh, you are the first believer in your family, and your parents are into Eastern religion, Eastern mysticism, and she says, that's exactly right. I'm the first believer in my family came from Eastern religions, and, and, and I said, what's happening with your feet is the enemy trying to make your new walk with the Lord miserable. It's all he can do now. And I said, but I think if we deal with the spiritual oppression, then the physical healing will come. Do you mind if we deal with that? And she said, please. And so we, we begin praying for her, and this, this pretty young lady who is just... Petite and kind as can be, starts growling even more. And my, my students begin backing up. <laughs> I'm just smiling. And uh, this voice from her goes, We're not coming out. And I'm like, I start laughing, literally, because it was hilarious. <laughs> and I say, Yeah, yeah, you are. <clears throat> and, but. this spirit was trying to make a spectacle, trying to embarrass her. And so I said, hey, Sarah, I think that what would be best is if uh, a couple of my trusted women uh, pray for you in another room, pray together. And what I want you to do is anything the Lord brings to mind, just confess it and break agreement with any kind of darkness. And I believe that when you do that, you'll be delivered and your feet will be healed. That is exactly what happened. She got fully healed, fully delivered, so much so that months, months later, she emailed me and said, you don't understand, I was dealing with what felt like fiery needles coming through the bottom of my feet for the better part of seven years. I had to wear these ugly orthopedic shoes and I really wanted to wear high heels. And, <laughs> and the pain is gone and it hasn't come back. And then she joined our school. She became a, a disciple of, of Christ. Isn't that exciting? <clears throat> There's no way I'm going to get through the rest of this teaching. <laughs> uh, I wanna make a few uh, proclamations over the church of who we are and what we will continue to do before we uh, leave today. I don't know if, if you guys have noticed or if you've been coming for a little while, almost every Sunday looks different than the one before, right? Right? There's just something else that the Lord wants to do. And, and um, here's the, the proclamation. Hey, buddy. I want to make, Ashley and I, we're the shepherds of the house, we're making this proclamation over the church. You guys ready? We will continue to be a community that embraces the supernatural even at the expense of presentability. We will continue to alter our plans, scrap our agenda, change our schedule in favor of risking, or allowing, or making a moment for the Holy Spirit to manifest in different ways than we thought. We will continue to operate in a way that protects the core tenets and purposes of the church while partnering with a God who will sometimes do something that we've never seen before. I'll give the, the second half of this teaching later. Let, for now, let me, let me pray for us. Um, I, I, I wanted to pray from a story in scripture. Um, after the Lord is resurrected, he, all the disciples are locked in the room and Jesus just appears among them and freaks them out, right? And says, don't fear, peace be with you. And then he says, as the Father, he breathes on them, right? <sighs> It says, as the Father has sent me, so now am I sending you. Go therefore and forgive sins. Any sins you forgive will be forgiven. Any sins you retain will be retained. And so he breathes on us and gives us the second commission, the new commission. Remember the first, there's only two times in scripture when God breathes on man. In the garden, Adam gets breathed on. And he he gets commissioned from the Lord. The only other time is when the last Adam breathes on us and we get commissioned from the Lord. There was one disciple who wasn't in the room that day and his name is Thomas. And Thomas gets a bad rap for being doubting Thomas. I think he was reasonably skeptical, Thomas, myself. But he... (laughs) 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 But Thomas says, unless I... Put my hand on his wounds and stick, stick my hand into his side. I won't believe. And then Jesus appears again to Thomas and says, Thomas, put your hands here. Touch the holes on my hands. Reach your hand into my side. And here's how I want to pray. I feel like a lot of us feel like we got left out of the meeting where power was distributed. Feel like We, we feel like we missed it. You know, and it, and it, we got into comparison. We think, oh, the, the power is for those people. The power is for, for, for that guy. The prophetic is, is for, for that guy. And we have a little bit of doubt or skepticism, as I would say. And I want to let you know that the Lord is here and he wants you to reach your hand into his side. You know that when Jesus was spinning on the earth, The universe was spinning within him. So Thomas, who was honest about his doubt, got to reach his hand into the side of the Lord. And whether, whether physically or metaphysically, he came really close to touching the universe itself within him. I believe that Thomas actually got the most intimate encounter of the disciples in that moment. Do you guys want that for you? If you've ever felt like I'm not meant to move in power or you doubt that you're as powerful as someone else, I want you to stand up. It should probably be all of us. (laughs) Jesus, like you did for Thomas, we want to touch. We wanna see the wounds. We wanna reach our hand into your side. We want to be uh, possessed. We want to be afflicted with belief that the impossible is now possible because you've placed your kingdom within us. (laughs) Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move in new and powerful ways through my friends in this room, and we would see your kingdom forcefully advancing through us. We pray, God, that this church, our faith wouldn't rest on fine-sounding teachings, but on manifestations, demonstrations of the Spirit's power. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.